Hi, are you a gifted or twice exceptional adult who feels a bit stuck in your journey? Do you have goals and dreams which you would love to achieve, but you don't know where to start or feel a little bit overwhelmed? Or maybe you have a thousand ideas, 500 projects, and get distracted by your own thoughts and would love some support on focus and accountability? Whatever gets you stuck, I wholeheartedly believe that gifted and twice exceptional specific coaching will help you unleash your power so that you can be your most authentic gifted self. I recently embarked on my journey on becoming a gifted and twice exceptional coach. So if you are interested in working with me one-on-one, please reach out via email at hello at giftedunleashed.com or you can find more information about my coaching offers on the website giftedunleashed.com forward slash coaching. I would love working with you and I would love to get you unstuck. So please reach out and let's get started. Hello and welcome to Unleash Monday, where we talk about the brain, especially the gifted brain, and how does it affect our thinking and experience of the world differently. There are a lot of stereotypes and stigma around giftedness, and I'm here to challenge those. I'm here to raise awareness and to have a conversation around this topic of what does it mean to be a gifted adult. Common experience among gifted folks is that they feel out of place. They don't quite fit in. They are too sensitive, too intense, too emotional, too overexcitable, and too deep thinkers about the world and about themselves. If you have been called too much of about anything, then this show is for you. My name is Nadia. I'm too loud, too colorful, too bubbly, too bossy, and love to talk too much. So welcome to my world, and I'm so happy you're here. Hello and happy Monday. I hope you started well into the week and I'm here to give you a little bit motivation and inspiration through my conversations I have with my amazing guests talking about giftedness and giftedness in adults especially. Today I'm going to share with you the conversation I had with Ben Cook. Ben is obviously a gifted person and also a multipotentialite. Ben is the co-founder and CEO of New Minds Enrichment. He is also a mindfulness coach and a gifted ed teacher and so much more. So why don't we listen to Ben's story directly from himself? Let's just jump right into the interview. So have fun and enjoy this amazing conversation I had with Ben. Welcome, Ben. It's so amazing to have you on the show. It's a pleasure, Nadia. Thank you so much. What an opportunity to chat with another person passionate about giftedness and and particularly in adults because we don't find that very often. Yeah, you're right. And that's also why I thought, okay, even though I have no degree or anything credibility in the field when I started, but I thought I'm just going to go invite, you know, experts and people working in this field. So I'm very curious to learn how you got into this field. Do you want to share a little bit about your story and how you got interested in this very niche topic of gifted adults? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. And so actually my story kind of, I'm going to go back to my childhood a little bit for like the origins of the story, for the seed of the story, just as a gifted person. And then I'll take us to this point, like thinking about gifted adulthood. So I was like third grade, I was elementary school, third grade. And I remember one day my mom got a note from the school that they wanted to do some testing on me. And I didn't really understand the context at the time, but it was, you know, it was obviously their gifted and talented screening program. But I remember feeling a little bit uncomfortable and unsure and uncertain. And I went and I took this, you know, long paper pencil test and, you know, all these strange questions and things like that. And I ended up qualifying, I suppose, because then I started going once a week to the gifted and talented class. And it was interesting. I had a a very ambivalent reaction to this experience. Like for some reason, the little responsible third grader in me just couldn't stand missing class when I got pulled to go to the gifted class. And this became like a real like point of angst for me. Like it was a real stressor for me to be missing class. (laughs) It's kind of silly and funny, right? And so what ended up happening, and this is a twist to the story that's kind of uncommon, is a few months into the program like this, 
got to be so intense for me that I asked my parents if I could just leave, stop going, leaving the program. And here's this memory is kind of burned into me. The gifted teacher was talking to my mom and said, but I don't understand. No one has ever left the gifted program before. What's going on? And so I ended up leaving the program. So I didn't get that experience for the rest of my elementary school career. But fast forward a little bit, like into high school, and it's really one of those narratives that shows you you can run, but you can't hide. So (laughs) here I was, here I was in high school, you know, on the surface, in some ways I was kind of in different different popular groups. Like I did play sports and things like that, but really deep down, I was like one of those people who was, you know, 16 going on 50, if you know what I mean? Like the, the inner world, the interior world was just so deep and intense and, and existential. And I was, so for example, like any free moment I had every lunch break, every free period, I would be buried in some corner of the school library, reading philosophy you know, reading Eastern religion. And just my mind was just so hungry for like kind of these really intense topics that I didn't have an outlet for. But it really wasn't. And this is this is kind of a a cool aha. And it sounds not yet sounds similar to an aha that you've had recently is I was fast forward, we don't have to go through my life story, of course, but fast forward to adulthood, I'm, I'm a teacher right? So I'm an elementary school teacher. I I was an elementary school teacher at the time. I was working with kids. And for whatever reason, I was always most fascinated with the kiddos who were on this different frequency, who processed information in an alternative way, in a quirky way. And that just kind of broke these paradigms about linear thinking. And so I ended up going to grad school to study gifted education because I realized, oh, these kids that I'm so kind of like fascinated by, they seem to be aligned with this giftedness, right? And so I remember, I remember one of the first courses I took in grad school studying giftedness was living with intensity. And it's a summary of the research of Dabrowski on overexcitabilities. And as I read that book, I was supposed to be reading it as an academic exercise to, you know, it was a course, right? It was a course on social emotional learning of gifted kids. But the first time I read it, it was more of a self-help book because every single chapter I would go, ah, aha. Oh my gosh, that's me. No wonder this explains this, this explains that. And so for me, that was almost like the full circle moment where I was like transported back to that third grade Ben and just acknowledging and realizing that like, okay, so you process the world with this kind of different level frequency of intensity. And that has made things a little bit different for you. And having Dabrowski's work was like the first really relief that I felt. I felt this spaciousness that like there was actually this whole field of research that had been thinking about and trying to help and nurture people like me and like many others who process the world like that. So in short, like that's, and then from there on, I'm like, yeah, so I got my graduate degree in gifted ed and worked with gifted kids for several years in my teaching career, mostly at the elementary level, but also lots of coaching for older kids. And then, you know, in 2013, left the classroom with a fellow teacher and we launched our company called New Minds Enrichment. And so what we did was my co-founder, Justin, also has a degree, a grad degree and worked with gifted kids. And so we both knew we wanted to do something different and special that, took all of this research on asynchronous development and overexcitabilities and all these aspects of how to create a real, uh, genuine learning environment. And we started creating programs for kids and, you know, summer camps and things like that. But where does it link back up into adults? Well, we started training teachers and parents of gifted kids, (laughs) right? And you, you know the expression, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. So when you're doing workshops for, it's interesting. And I think a huge majority of teachers who get drawn to gifted are because they're seeing themselves as well. So in working with all these teachers and parents, we started de facto working with gifted adults. And so I got even more fascinated. And over the last, you know, at a personal level, over the last few years, I've really intensified this self-development on my part to keep getting tools and skills 
and practices that I can bring to the table as a coach and a leader and a guide for people, for other adults, whether or not they formally identify as gifted or not, you know, I'm sure you agree that the label itself does not matter that much. It's these characteristics and it's these unique needs that they bring to the table. It's kind of what makes it so interesting. So thanks for giving me that little platform intro. And I hope you got some uh, interesting insights. I love it. And it's again, an untypical, typical gifted story, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, I love it. So I have so many <laughs> thoughts coming in. I need to process this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, but it, it was so amazing to hear that, you know, you left the gifted program because you had the fear of missing out. And I had a former guest uh, on the podcast, Nadia, who also didn't want to go into the gifted program because she wanted to be with her friends and yeah. not being seen as, you know, these weird kids going to this gifted program. So you're not the only one not going. Right. And I, I think it's a gifted thing, not going. <laughs> right. The little rebellion, right? <laughs> and then going to special or how do you say you got a degree in, in the grad school yeah, gift, yeah, gift, gifted, gifted, ed, gifted, ed, gifted ed, yeah. yeah. I'm learning all this vocabulary because in Europe we we call it obviously different, and I don't even know the school system here. If we in Switzerland identify at this point, I don't know of any of my classmates ever getting identified or pulled yeah. out. Yeah. We had different streams, the ones that go towards university. So for me, it was a totally different experience. And I think here in Switzerland, a lot of people are not identified in childhood. So if I talk to people growing up in America, they say, oh, yeah, I was once identified as a kid, you know, and, and so they can link it. But or some of yeah. them, also not everybody as well. Yeah, And Nadia, even places where they do identify, they miss, they miss so many with their net. And so I love the work that you're doing because in focusing on gifted adults, you're kind of catching all of us, all of those who kind of slip through the net or the cracks and feel different, process differently and feel like there's a home, there's a place to have conversations like this, that it doesn't matter what happened in my childhood because even, even school systems here who are really dedicated to identifying gifted kids and serving them, they miss a lot of kids. It's a hard, the whole identification process is rife with challenges, you know? Yeah, it is hard. And I think yeah. a lot of the people I talk to, it's kind of by chance that they like rediscover their own giftedness in adulthood once they were identified as kids. So I think there's a lot of them, they were identified, but then never actually relearn what it means as a gifted adult, right? So I, yeah. I think it's, if you're identified as a kid, you think, oh, I'm fast in school and I can do different things on, on an academic level, but you don't realize or nobody really tells you that you will have a whole different experience of the world, you know, the rest of your life. As you said, when you were in high school, you had these interests that you probably didn't share with anybody because nobody could relate. But now just also from a personal interest. And again, I think the power of my podcast is maybe repeating the stories or the narrative or the the more people talk about what it means to be gifted and hearing it over and over again from different people. I think you start to believe if you hear one person say, you know, I had this overexcitabilities or I had this sensitivity. You're like, oh, what, what does that mean? But mm. if you hear it over and over again from different people, different story, but similar experience across the board. So do you want to a little bit also with your background share? What is the experience of a gifted adult? If you don't know if you are, what are these key things to look for in yourself that might be a, an indicator? Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, because I think you hit the nail on the head in the sense of like when you're identified and you get that label when you're a kid, when you're a student, it kind of means something at least like, oh, it means I go to this special class or I get to enroll in this academic tract and work with these projects and things like that. So it has some kind of context and meaning, but what does it even mean or imply to be a gifted adult? You know, there's no like special workforce or club or things like that for gifted adults that give it kind of special context. So it's even more confusing. 
But to answer your question, yeah, I think for an adult who's just kind of coming to terms with this idea of like, oh, I could be gifted. There might be something, there might be a name for this to describe this experience that I have in the way I process the world. I think the things that you'll notice are just feeling a bit out of whack with mainstream thinking, maybe not always feeling comfortable in traditional scripted conversations, feeling like you have to hold back your authentic self for fear of what it might provoke or how out of place it may seem or feel. You may have even a little bit of a fear about the types of thoughts that you have, the kind of like out there thoughts, the intuitions, the sensitivities that you have. It could be deep, deep emotional sensitivity of, you know, why, why does this seem to hit me so hard when the people around me seem to be okay with this? I think things like that are what to watch for as an adult. If you're kind of wondering, like, you know, maybe, maybe I'm a gifted person. Maybe I do kind of operate at this different frequency. I think those, those are the kinds of things that you'll notice. And, you know, one word, if I had to narrow it down to one word, it would be intensity as compared to your peers, as compared to those around you. That could be thinking about other people and where you work. If you kind of compare yourself in terms of intensity, for me, that's like a key word to come down to because intensity could be in lots of realms. It could be emotional intensity, intellectual intensity, spiritual intensity. You know, there's so many ways that that can come through. But for me, that's one of like the first telltale signs of like, okay, let's look a little deeper here and let's do some self-exploration about like, how I'm processing the world and why I'm, it may feel different. Yeah. And I feel you just described me all over again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but nice. what, what if people say, but I'm not good at math. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know because, because exactly. Cause we have these ideas, these, and this is mainly like a kind of a cultural meme that like giftedness equals like academic achievement or, to use the sometimes derogatory term of like nerd nerdiness, like giftedness equals nerdiness. Like, but I'm not really smart in science or math or anything like that. But really in reality, like that's, that's just one aspect of giftedness. That's just, there could be an intensity or propensity for math. If that's where your intensity was developed and where it lies. And that became your fascination and you have the capacity to process the world mathematically, but that's just one of, many, many, many ways that you can process the world with a different level of intensity. So don't try to box it in terms of this traditional idea of, you know, these hard subjects like math and things like that. So I don't know, in your case, is math one of your strengths or it's not? Is that why you're asking? It's just that's come up, right? Because here in Switzerland, and I think in the Germanic speaking world. We don't call it gifted. We call it like high potential, like translated. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, Einstein as a very typical example, who was also at some point in his life in Switzerland. You know, this is, this is like the person we, we think of when we think of giftedness and obviously that's math and physics. (laughs) And then you think about the IQ test, the IQ test is one thing, but then Also, my friends, once I got into this topic, and I think gifted people can see giftedness in other people Mm. because we just, so funny story, I always thought I was good at small talk (laughs) Mm. until I realized I only do small talk with gifted people. Ah. (laughs) Obviously, I'm good (laughs) because we talk about, you know, literally God in the world. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so once I learned about this topic and I told mostly my female friends about this oh I think you're gifted and they're like oh but I'm not good at math and Uh, I never was the best in school and oh no I don't want to do an IQ test I will fail miserably yeah I want to jump into a couple of things there if you don't mind well first of all Einstein himself I mean it's interesting as a young child he was not shining in math I don't know if you know the story I'm sure his elementary school teacher remarked how unintelligent he was, you know? He was probably he, bored. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, even suggesting that he might be on the other end of the spectrum and have some learning difficulties. And of course, he's shown as a gifted adult and his rich interior world led to so many insights for humanity. And then, yeah, the, the issue of the IQ test, I mean, that would take hours and hours to dissect and, and 
no need to go deep here, but yeah, the IQ test in general, the traditional IQ test is measuring two types of intelligence, really verbal and quantitative, verbal, quantitative, and some tests also measure nonverbal, like, you know, kind of visual spatial intelligence. But, you know, if we look at, even if we don't go too far down the rabbit hole and we look at multiple intelligences and the eight or so identified as areas where people can be highly intelligent, you've got musical, you've got naturalistic, you've got interpersonal, intrapersonal. There's so many ways to thrive in different types of intelligence. And this traditional little metric we're using puts its finger on two or three and claims to make a statement about someone's intelligence. You know, it's, it's iffy and it's tricky. And you were, yeah, you were, so you were mentioning sociability. So you're there in the land of Carl Jung, one of my heroes. And he did so much work, not necessarily on giftedness, but you know, his, all the, the personality profiles kind of built around his theories, right? You know, like introversion versus extroversion, intuitive feeling, thinking, all these components seem to me to also be kind of important insights in understanding like how we relate, how we relate. You were kind of talking about small talk and realizing that you sync up, you seem to sync up more naturally with other minds kind of on your frequency. I think that's really common. And that's what I was talking about earlier about feeling a little bit out of place. Yeah. It's interesting. Even in my case, like as a teacher, as a speaker and that kind of thing, as a leader, when I'm in context with that, in that role, I'm so fluent and comfortable and things like that. And then I'll meet someone out. I'll see someone outside of that context and I'll say, yeah, like actually I'm extremely introverted. You know, like I don't, I don't like small talk at all. I prefer to kind of recharge alone as much as possible. They're like, what, what are you talking about? Like, I've seen you teach, you know, you're like, you're so lit up. And so context is really important too, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I always thought about myself as an extrovert. But then, as you say, I have these times where I really like to be by myself and with my own thoughts and recharge, I think. And I heard this from a a few of my gifted friends now that I have words for and the narrative for all the experiences that they also say, if people ask me if I'm introverted or extroverted, it depends mm-hmm. on the situation. And I think that yeah. might also be more of a gifted thing. Yeah. Well, ambiversion. It sounds like you may be an ambivert, you know, kind of okay. adaptable depending on the context. That's the term that I know a lot of people use now. Yeah. Ambivert. Yeah. Like you can be either. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. So a lot of the research on gifted children really emphasizes the fact that one important thing to nurture gifted kids is to give them opportunities to work with their intellectual peers. Sometimes they call them like idea peers or intellectual peers. In other words, people who are kind of like vibing on their same frequency, intellectually, emotionally. And the reason why it's important to call them idea peers or intellectual peers is because that can be a lot different than chronological age peers. School systems around the world are still designed to be chronological, depending on like what date was stamped on our butt the day we were born. Like that's how we get sorted through school, right? But we know asynchronous development, and I'll drop on another like gifted term here, different aspects of our being develop asynchronously at different rates, at different levels and times of our life. So you may be in a little third grader's body, but you're reading at a ninth or 10th grade level, emotionally, maybe you're more like a first grader and mathematically, wow, you're just off the charts. Like they're just, it's just wild. Right. And some say that's actually a defining characteristic of giftedness is how asynchronous you are. But I'm bringing that up here because I think the same is true for gifted adults. Earlier, you asked me about like, what are some characteristics that a gifted adult might see in themselves? And then the next question would be like, well, what could someone feeling and thinking that way do to kind of feel a sense of relief, a sense of connection. And it's the same answer. For me, it's the same answer. Find time, find space to connect with idea peers, with intellectual peers. And it may have nothing to do with the profession you're in, the field you're in, the geographical place where you are. It has more to do with where you feel that connection. You were talking earlier about just kind of gifted nose gifted. I think it's kind of like that, right? It's just like, there's a, there's a sense of acceptance. There's a sense of acknowledgement that we can kind of mirror each other in a way and feel a sense of home. And that could come in many shapes and forms, right? Like I said, it could be outside of your field, outside of where you live. 
And that's one benefit of this age, the 21st century, is we can have conversations like this. You know, I'm in Dallas, Texas, you're in Switzerland, and here we are having a beautiful conversation, <laughs> feeling connected. And in some ways, I think that's easier in this era, maybe easier and harder at the same time, because, you know, social media can be a dangerous trap as well at the same time. Mm. Yeah. And I think I would say myself, I'm defining myself like Paula Prover said, oh, my show was barely gifted. Okay. (laughs) But I guess the more gifted, you know, when you go into the profoundly gifted and it it can also get very lonely. So I don't want to exclude those listeners to say like, oh, no, like it has been really difficult for me to actually find like-minded people. So if you are really on this, it is also as a spectrum, right? And if you're on the other end, it's also very different to talk to somebody that's mildly gifted than if you're profoundly gifted. And and it gets it gets less and less. And the more need for those people is to really go actively search and seek like-minded people. And there yeah. are out there. There are out there and just yeah. And I'm I'm really I'm really glad that you brought that up because it's true. And we have to be not too attached to the labels, but we do need a way to kind of distinguish between different, you know, different levels of things. And you're right, profoundly gifted is kind of its own category. And even I, even I was a bit skeptical about that label early on in my studies and in, in kind of thinking about this until I started coaching profoundly gifted kids. And I was like, oh yeah, this is this is a whole different realm. This is this is a very different scenario. And they have extremely unique needs. And that goes for adults who profoundly gifted adults as well. And I wanna, if you don't mind, I kind of wanna continue because it seems Please. like, yeah. So, you know, one, we have to find our community, we have to find our tribe, our peers, and that can be in lots of different places. It obviously it doesn't have to be with people who identify with the label gifted. It's like you said, we'll know when we feel at home, when we feel like in an accepted, authentic place, like it's important to kind of nurture that regardless of the labels going on. But really for me, what I've discovered, this has been like a journey for me, but the last few years, what I've really discovered is this concept of purpose and the real remedy, whether you're profoundly gifted, mildly, however you categorize yourself, the real remedy to finding meaning is identifying and aligning with a life purpose. And I love this concept. I don't know if you're familiar, Nadja, with this Japanese concept of Ikigai. Yes. Have you seen that before? Yeah. Yes. That just so resonated with me when I first came across it several years ago. And I've been kind of nurturing that idea. Would you please explain though a little bit? Probably the listeners have not heard yeah, okay. about Ikigai. Of course. So yeah. even though I'm familiar, but please, please share. Yeah, let's share. Let's share the gold. Okay, yeah. So Ikigai is this kind of Japanese philosophy, or at least it comes from Japanese philosophy. Originally, it's kind of been adapted in other contexts. But this idea that each of us has kind of within us this reason, the direct translation of Ikigai is reason for being. It's almost like, why are you on this planet? Now, some people may take more of a cosmic view of it, and that's fine. But even if you don't, even if you just want to take a really direct view of that, it's like, find what you're on this planet to do that just so resonates with you and lights you up that you wake up in the morning excited to keep walking towards that purpose. Okay. Now, but what is it though? The famous way of describing it is this really wonderful quadruple Venn diagram, right? Where you've got four circles that overlap. One circle is what you're really passionate about. One circle is what you're really good at. And this is important. Some models stop there and say, if you can find those two things in that sweet spot, you're really good. Sir Ken Robinson, he had this concept called the element and he kind of stopped there. He said, If you look at the most fulfilled, thriving people on planet Earth, they're the ones who are doing something they're really passionate about and also really talented at. And they've found a way to live in that sweet spot. But Ikigai takes it a little bit further. In Ikigai, there's a third circle that says, okay, what does the world need? What is something that the world needs right now? And then finally, it's also surprisingly practical because the fourth circle is what can you get paid to do? Like, 
how can you make a living doing this ikigai thing of yours, right? And so where all four of those come together, like right there in the sweet spot, that's your ikigai. And so according to the philosophy, one of your jobs on this planet in this lifetime is to find that, let it unfold, seek it. And it's not like, I don't know, I'm 18 now, I'm going to go find my ikigai. It's not like that simple and direct, right? It's a lifelong unfolding process. And it does what I've discovered is it takes a lot of work. It takes some inner work and you have to, you kind of have to fail maybe several times to really learn this. And you have to take some hard lessons to heart about yourself and about the world, but really it's worth it. What I'm finding is the more you kind of hang with it and the more you stay true to that quest for your ikigai, you get closer and closer. You start to feel more lit up. And I think this for me, what I'm coming to at this point in my life is that for gifted adults, for adults who feel a little bit out of place, who don't kind of like resonate with the mainstream scripts, if you can some time into finding like what that purpose might be, even if you're wrong the first time, you start with something and there's these processes you can go through where you develop a purpose statement and then you build some goals around that. You like you build some goals around this purpose statement. And then when you find the right one that kind of lights you up, so many things, so many challenges and obstacles will just kind of melt away. Joseph Campbell, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He was an anthropologist and he studied worldwide mythologies and religions and traditions. And he had this phrase, he said, when you pursue your passion, and I'm just paraphrasing here, the exact quote is wonderful, but he says, when you pursue your passion, hidden hands will appear that just kind of seem to help you out of nowhere. He says, doors will open that you didn't even know were there. There's just something powerful about when you're in that gravity of like your purpose and you're moving forward, it's just like the synchronicities and things like that just become on your path and makes life just so much more beautiful, in my opinion. Oh, I love this. I love yeah. it. And especially, yeah, I think we have a lot in common. The giftedness yeah. is one wow. thing, but the yeah. ikigai, I'm a trained KonMari consultant. So I don't know if you know Mari Kondo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love her Netflix series. Yeah. And I've read one of the books. Yeah. I guess now that you mentioned it, I see your Mari Kondo right behind you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and I truly believe that helped me like decluttering my home, declutter my brain. Mm, that yeah. was where my whole journey actually started, I would say. That was life-changing. So yeah, especially, I guess, a gifted brain and maybe ADHD brain <laughs> giving some structure helped, the physical structure, yeah. the mental yeah. structure. And then now with a couple of friends, we worked through, do you know, The Artist Way by Julia Cameron? Oh, yeah. Are you doing that right now? Yeah, we just oh, finished. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that was interesting and deep. And she mentioned also synchronicity, especially. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Those morning pages, the mm. morning pages are powerful. Like so much kind of comes out, you know? So I, ha I have not done the complete artist way process, but I have done morning pages and mm -hmm. some other components of it I've tried over time. And just the testimonials I've heard from people who've gone through the whole thing, just it seems to be transformative. It yeah. is. And the book, I have the 25th anniversary edition, and that's like five years old. So the book is, I think, 29 years old. Yeah. Or 30, it's and it's still, it still resonates and it's still so important, especially during the yeah. digital age. So it's, it, yeah. I can only recommend. But I also saw somewhere that you are also practicing mindfulness. Yes. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. So for me, my Ikigai is very, very connected to kind of this sense of a place in the cosmos, like a very kind of metaphysical and spiritual aspect to it. And I discovered meditation early in my 20s. And for me, I think it was almost survival. Like I was up against the world. It's I don't know. I think it's easy for a gifted mind sometimes to see all the wrongs of the world and to see the hypocrisy and to see the injustice and get overwhelmed. And so for me, in my early 20s, my way to sort of process that and survive was to turn to meditation. And so started like a very, very serious meditation practice in my 20s. But it was just a private, very personal thing. It was my private practice, right? 
And so over the years, I got so much benefit from it. It's just a core part of my being now. But what's happened over the last few years is I'm like, I saw the world around me. I saw what the digital age in particular was kind of doing to people's minds, scattered minds and lack of purpose and ennui. And I started to kind of tell myself like, Ben, like you've been doing this for a long time. You kind of like have some insights. I think you'd really be able to help people with this. So what I did was I went and I got certified as a mindfulness trainer and I'd been doing it on my own for so long. So I had the experience, like I could definitely walk the walk, but I didn't necessarily have the right vocabulary and tools to train people and kind of in the modern world in a very secular way. So I went and got certified in science-based mindfulness. So there's so much research the last couple of decades, you know, it's growing by the year on the benefits of these mindfulness practices. They're rooted in ancient traditions, right? Not just Eastern traditions, by the way, there are Western traditions like Gnosticism that have great kind of mindful practices and meditative practices, which is super cool. But this modern science-based mindfulness kind of takes the essence of these powerful practices of bringing your awareness to anchor in something in the present moment. And oh my gosh, like the physiological, the neurological and the psychological benefits are all documented now. And so this has been a huge aspect of my life recently is leading workshops, coaching others in mindfulness so they can really integrate it. Because a lot of people kind of get interested, they, they get the bug and they'll install an app and they'll do it for a while. They'll go to a weekend workshop and they'll get a good taste of it. But to get the real deep benefits, you kind of have to integrate it into your life somehow. It's just got to be part of your life. And so don't get me wrong. It's absolutely wonderful for everyone. But in the context of our conversation right here, Nadia, like a gifted mind who feels a little bit scattered, who feels a little bit disjointed or out of control, I mean... A mindfulness practice could be so huge and kind of anchoring them and grounding them so that they can then really unleash and kind of work on that full potential that's waiting for them, you know, because I think, like I said earlier, like it's so easy for the gifted mind to see the flaws in the world and to see the, like I said, the hypocrisy and like the, just the absurdity, the absurdity of the waves of injustice. And it can just seem silly sometimes. But two things, when you can bring the mind to the present with something like mindfulness and attached to that purpose, you've got like, I don't know, you've got some a good foundation there to kind of to have a more fulfilling life. Wow. Thank you for sharing this. And I started this podcast wanting to empower women mostly, but I really want to be inclusive. So I want to empower gifted adults and also share obviously not just the knowledge about giftedness, but what are the tools? And I think mindfulness, as you mentioned, is one of the amazing tools that especially gifted brains can really benefit. So thank you for sharing this. And you also have a podcast, right? So how how did you start? You're clearly gifted. You do all the things. I don't even, I don't even know exactly. So it's funny you say that. So multi-potentiality is one of the characteristics of giftedness, right? There's just too many things in the world that I want to do, right? Yes. yes. Exactly. Like me, the Marie Kondo person, the podcaster and having a day job. But one of the things, one things that I've done is I found that, okay, if you design your purpose statement in a way that encompasses all of those things or as many of those things as you possible, then they can all fit within kind of like your Ikigai path. So, all right, I'm an entrepreneur and CEO that I, I co-founded New Minds Enrichment, right? We do education. Okay, interesting. I do mindfulness coaching and training. Okay, interesting. I do, you know, other consulting. And I didn't even mention this yet. I do sound healing. <laughs> I So the list, the list kind of goes on. So what I had to do was I had to find a purpose statement that was a nice umbrella for all those things. So that's what I did. And so in my case, like my purpose is to inspire conscious transformation in others. So that can come through many different mediums, right? And so I realized all these things that I'm doing, that's that's really how I'm doing that in the world. It's my how. My why is inspire conscious transformation, right? And my how 
and my what are all these things like, okay, I can do sound healing. I can help design educational programs for around the world. And so the podcast where that fits is inspiring conversations, just like you're doing. So how it started was early in the pandemic, my company, New Minds, we started doing these live streams every single day. Schools were in chaos and parents didn't know what to do. Kids were at home. And so we started live streaming like all kinds of educational content. And at the end of every day, I would get on our live stream and I would have like a conversation for the adults, just like myself talking, like I would get on and start talking. And after a couple of weeks, I'm like, I'm, I'm sick of listening to myself talk. <laughs> I want to talk to someone else. I want to have, so just informally, I started inviting other people onto my afternoon live stream to say like, okay, let's just talk about a topic. And in the beginning, it was mostly school related stuff, like how to maximize at home learning stuff like this. And then I started to like the, the conversations and the format. So then at some point last spring, I just formalized it and said, you know what? This is now called the New Minds Podcast. And we're going to kind of broaden the scope of guests. And so that's what we started doing is, just inviting people on to have conversations like you're having. And uh, the idea is, you know, it's like education, self-development, sometimes entrepreneurship, sometimes purpose, just anything that can kind of empower people to take the next step in their journey, find something meaningful and purposeful. And a lot of times it's parents getting something practical, but it's really for any adult who's looking to be inspired by a conversation. So that's the story of the New Minds podcast. And it's tough. There's a lot of podcasts out there, Nadja, and you're probably finding the same thing and limited bandwidth. But my belief is that if you're having good conversations, bringing value to people, eventually, like, it, you know, the, the listenership will grow. Yeah. So, and I believe also sometimes people have to hear it from a specific person, even though there's multiple shows on the same topic. And also one person does not only listen to one podcast usually. And I think there's, there's still space, right? And oh, yeah. um, I think, yeah. yeah, I'm not doing it for the downloads. I do get one or two emails every week about people that have been touched by my podcast. Mm -hmm. And I think that's already enough. If I can help one person improve their quality of life by sharing yeah. this story. I mean, that's already, I think my ikigai. Yeah. So, mm. Yeah, absolutely. And just, you know, the passion that you're bringing to it is really evident, you know, Thank you. So I don't know if you do have a purpose statement, but this, this podcast is definitely within the stream of your ikigai. It seems to me. <laughs> yeah. No, I will. I will write down the purpose statement. I and all the tools you mentioned, the why and the how. I heard all of it, but I haven't. I haven't gotten the time to actually sit down and do stuff. Yeah. I was so yeah. busy doing. But yeah. So currently, I'm working on my branding. I finally got some help. Mm. One of my friends who also now actually said she probably identifies with ah. the experience so she she's doing the branding for my podcast and she listened to the podcast because she wanted to create a good yeah. brand right. <laughs> and then basically synchronicity for her she was like oh my god can I get more more info can I get a checklist and can I yeah. get more information on this topic so yeah yeah and that's the thing, like you said, you hit on some gold a minute ago when you said that sometimes just hearing it from a specific person stated in a specific way inside a specific narrative can be exactly what someone needed to hear. So what you're doing, having all these conversations is you're giving so many different faces to this. And like you said, listeners may listen to seven episodes in a row and not really connect, but then guest number eight says something, then they're like, whoa. And exactly. And some other podcaster might be, you know, psychologist, and then people feel like they don't resonate with the language or they think, I don't know, they have prejudice against therapists or teachers. And I'm really like the person not quote unquote qualified to do this. I just went on this path and I thought if I have this conversation with people just for myself to figure out who am I, where am I going? What does this mean? Might as well go on a Zoom call, 
hit record and then open this conversation for the rest of the world to hear. Because if I have these questions, I'm sure other people also have the same similar questions. Yeah. And I I would love to say, if you don't mind, that I think the fact that you are coming at this quote unquote, as a lay person, Mm -hmm. just your pure curiosity and passion and your personal connection in it is what makes it so rich. Like, you know, if you were Nadia PhD from the university of Zurich in education, and you had all the vocabulary and all the research and that could still be a good podcast, but it would not be this one. It would be, you would feel, it would be much more constrained. Let's put it that way. So I, I really love the, the kind of the space that you created here for this kind of conversation. It's very human. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So Obviously, we're going to list in the show notes where people can find you. But do you want to say quickly where people can find you or best connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. So I have a a personal site, benjamincook.live, and that's Cook, K-O-C-H. And I know you'll put that in the show notes. And there they can kind of see what I'm up to. They can see links to all of my other projects and the podcast and New Minds, my education company. That's probably a great place to start. Wonderful. And is there anything else you would like to share something that you wish people know about the topic or topic of giftedness or any topic or anything you wish you knew earlier? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've covered lots of rich stuff. I'm super, I'm super happy, but I would just circle back and just emphasize to close here, the importance of like self-compassion like Mm -hmm. empathy, of course, compassion for everyone as well. But sometimes the inner world can be a little bit rocky. And you have to start from a place of self compassion, like it's complex, right? Like you, you find yourself here on this planet, this little bundle of consciousness, and you're trying to figure things out. It's weird and confusing. So have some empathy for yourself first, and then you can you can kind of build and grow from there. Wow, yes. Uh, Yeah. Thank you. I have nothing to add anymore. You said it all. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing. And I I hope our paths will cross in the future anyways. And you're also part of the G Word Network. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Excited to see that project unfold too. Yes. So thank you very much for being here. Nadia, it's been an honor. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. I hope you enjoy this again as much as I did. Every interview I do, I learn something more about giftedness and this amazing topic. And it's still a little bit murky, and that's why we keep having conversations and listen to other people's stories. So keep listening, and I'm happy you found this podcast. And if this podcast helped you in any way, please share it with somebody you think could also profit from listening. And if you would do a little bit more extra to support this show, if you subscribe to the podcast and if you actually rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts, for example, you can scroll all the way down and then you can leave a written review. So why do I always ask for these written reviews and the stars and the subscription? Well, basically, this helps the algorithm in the back of... Apple Podcasts. So that makes it more accessible for other people. So the more people subscribe, the more people download, the more people that review the show, it will then show it to more potential listeners. So that's why it will just create more awareness around this topic, which I think is really important because so many people are not really aware of the importance of this topic and the topic of itself. So much prejudice is out there so much misconception. And I think a lot of people that are gifted and don't know that they are gifted, they don't know that their misfit in the world is due to their giftedness, they're suffering. And I believe by knowing about your own giftedness, knowing who you are, how your brain works, why you feel this way, does empower you. And so that's my... My ikigai, as Ben would say, is to create awareness and really help spreading the word and helping people find out about themselves and their own giftedness. And 
just breaking down barriers, breaking down these stereotypes and just creating awareness around this topic. So thank you so much for listening. And I will be back in two weeks with another amazing episode, obviously. <laughs> so thank you so much for listening, for your time. And I see you in two weeks. Bye. <laughs>